it's Flo, and this is my impression of a geographically challenged rock band delivering a commencement speech. Hello, graduates! Here's a song called Adulthood is Scary, but Progressive is Snapshot. Plug it in and save money for being a safe driver. Let me hear you, Cleveland! I mean, Kansas City! Uh, New York? Safe drivers save with Snapshot from Progressive. Now you're wearing a stupid hat. Congrats! No, but really, where are we? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Snapshot not available in all states. Blog Talk Radio.
so much for modern technology. Patrick, are you there? Yes, apparently uh, the opening did not properly function, but uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me introduce the show. Okay. Uh, since the dawn of mankind, he has pondered its frailty and mortality. No aspect of the human experience has been more studied or debated, and the efforts to understand and perhaps even copy the inevitability of death is at the very core of all our belief systems. The near-death experience is the only human phenomenon that directly answers the most important question a human can ask, what happens when I die? Despite the uniform inconsistency in mainstream beliefs about life after death, the descriptions of the near-death experience are remarkably similar in almost every aspect of the phenomenon. This despite the amazing diversity in those who have returned from death. They range from young to old, male to female, atheist to Bible pounder, and cover the full spectrum of social status and cultural backgrounds. It is, in fact, absolutely irrefutable eyewitness testimony about the ultimate fate of all humanity beyond this short physical existence, our first step into the spiritual realm. Throughout all of recorded history to present day, most ancient cultures have held that the spirit was set free at the time of death, that they rejoined loved ones who had crossed over before them and continued a journey that the physical was only a small part of. All had different names for the process. The ancient Romans believed that the essence was released to roam the universe as God. Both the Maoris of New Zealand and the Australian Aborigines believed that spirits rejoined family members and loved ones who had passed on. The Aztecs traveled to the eternal house of the dead. The Egyptians went to happy fields, while Native American Indians were rewarded with happy hunting grounds. The Buddhists passed into Nirvana, while the Wiccans and spiritualists believe in an afterlife called Summerland. And there is, of course, the Christian religion that teaches that one either retires in heaven or is tortured in hell, ignoring completely the Bible's description of death as the spirit simply flying away. It is only the pseudo-religion called science that views death as the end of life, with no physical or spiritual reality after the change. Recently, however, even science has begun, begun to realize that there may be awareness or even existence after death. Serious scientific research has been undertaken, prompted by medical professionals who have witnessed patients going through what has come to be known as the near-death experience. Over the years, the numbers of individuals who have made this unusual journey have greatly increased and their numbers and commonalities of experience beg the question to be answered, where do we go when we die? Tonight we are privileged to have with us many fascinating individuals who have experienced death. They have journeyed beyond and returned to the physical world and they are here to share their experience and give testimony that it was and is a reality. Millions have gone through a near-death experience and all report similar descriptions. There is incredible peace, comfort, higher sensations to the new environment they are passing through, a brilliant and beautiful light beckoning. No pain, no fear, no desire to return to the physical, and above all, an overwhelming love that embraces them and alters their lives when they return. This is an aspect of life that alters the perception of death and changes the lives of those who are gifted by the experience. 
journey with us as they share a very precious part of their lives and their insight into the meaning of this gift that brought them to a new perspective of life. Welcome to Matrix Radio with Barbara DeLong and Patrick Cook. Hi, Hi Patrick. Barbara. How are you doing? <clears throat> well, I'm doing fine now that you got the intro out of the way. <laughs> uh, well, wonderful blog talk. It's always, uh, always giving us a challenge. It, it is indeed doing that. I, I am so excited about tonight. We have some of the most interesting people ever here, and and to gather a whole bunch of people who have had the near-death experience is very exciting because you get swept up in their enthusiasm and, and you get taken through an experience that, that you know, they were gifted in, in, in experiencing and, and the rest of us, you know, have to only wonder at what it might be like. Oh, yeah. Well, um, who we got with us tonight? Well, we have uh, we have four ladies for the first part of the show. Um, we have Cassandra, we have Christina, we have Suzanne, and we have Debbie. And uh, we're going to start with with Cassandra tonight because you know she she actually has a, a show on Blog Talk as well, and she'll put those links up in the chat room. But she she has they all have amazing stories. So it was sort of a Let's take them as they showed up in the queue type stuff tonight. Cassandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Barbara. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very excited about tonight. We we spoke a while earlier in the week about your experience, and and I, I got to admit, it's it's amazing to hear somebody who has been through this kind of a, a journey, a tunnel, an experience, and and come back and can talk about what it means to them, how it changed their life, and, and the sensations you felt when you went through it. So if you could, would, would you share would you share your experience with us? Oh, I'd be happy to. And it's nice to actually have someone uh, want to know about it. So when I saw your post, I thought, well, I think I'll get a hold of her and see what she thinks about um, you know what it is that she wants, and that she's interested, and in, and people are interested in knowing about it. And looking from the the chat room, you have a lot of people who are interested in it. So I'd be happy to uh, start if you'd like me to. I would love you to. Um, great. This was back in the late '80s, and uh, nothing spectacular. It was just a car wreck that was in itself a, a very bad car wreck for me. Um, I had gone through the windshield, came back um, into the, the car, and went underneath the dash. So when that happened, the minute that I hit the windshield, of course, everything went black. And uh, I was just told that I was cut out of the car and taken into the hospital. And the next thing I knew was I was I woke up because I was being taken out of the ambulance, and when they had, were pulling the gurney out, I I woke up just a moment, and then I closed my eyes again. And then I was in the hospital, but I was in a room, and the room wasn't the emergency room, and it wasn't an actual um, a room I wasn't admitted I don't know what kind of room this was but I was in it by all by myself and I was alone I opened my eyes looked around for a moment then closed my eyes and took one last final breath and this breath 
it was just so I don't I didn't don't even know how to describe it because it wasn't like you just breathe in and then you breathe out when I when I was breathing out the whole part of me my my spirit went out with it because the next thing I know I was floating and the floating was going through the hospital I was going up going through different floors I would go up to a floor, then I would uh, pass that, then I would go through uh, where the ceilings are and see all the the, uh, the workings inside, the, the wires and everything, and keep going and going. And then I was finally out. I had gone out on the from the roof, and I started, just started going up. And I kept floating up, and I finally was... I was in the, you know, space, I guess you'd call it, but then I was surrounded by an emerald green light. And this emerald green light was in a tunnel that I had been going through all along, but when the light was there, then I saw the tunnel. And I remember I was floating up and I was looking around and I saw people um, in that tunnel with me and I was talking, but I was only using my mind. I wasn't using my voice, uh, just talking tele- telepathically. And what I was doing was just asking, you know, where am I? Uh, what What's going on? Um, I know I'm dead because I knew I was dead. And I looked at myself and I could see my hair floating around, but it was just an outline Um and it was white. The outline of my whole body was white, but the inside was, was um, there was nothing to it. And I'm, I'm floating upwards, and I keep saying, I know I'm dead. Now, I said, God, where are you? So I'm floating and floating, and the people around me, I'm talking to them telepathically. And I'm looking up, straight up this time. When I look straight up, I saw the most brilliant brilliant white light I've ever seen in my life and I'm going towards it but while I'm in this tunnel the emerald green was just so warm and and if you could ever have a color and you call it loving because that's the the feeling that it was it was very loving and very warm and we're just describing a color Um, and I'm going up through the tunnel and I'm getting closer and closer to the white light and it was pin-sized at first, and it was getting bigger and bigger. And I said, okay, God, I'm here. I got right up to the white light. I'm ready to go. And I heard two words from that, come out of that white light, and the two words were, not yet. And as soon as I heard that, um, it was like retrograding back, and it was very very fast and very quick when I went back and I just sort of slammed back into my body and when I slammed back into my body um, everything came alive again in my body I hurt so badly um, because I was in a really bad wreck and um, everything the the my head my my arms my legs everything just hurt and I remember just lying there for a moment saying, why did I come back? Why? I mean, I was very upset. I was, I, you could say I was mad. 
um, because as soon as that happened, though, I cut off the communication because obviously they were getting ready to, to treat me and and um, sew my head up and, you know, everything else that goes along with it. So uh, when that happened, I was in the hospital and I got out and for a long time, all I kept saying, what, all I kept doing was just asking, why? Why did I come back? Why did I come back? It's like you hear about people who get hit by lightning and they don't die. But they, you know, it changes them so totally, and it was, it's almost like instantly they get changed. But when I was doing it, it seemed like never, ever I would get an answer. I, it, there was no instant about it. There's only questions. Why, why, why? And it was for a long time that um, that's all I kept asking was, why did I come back? And it wasn't until years later, um, about you know, 15, 20 years later, um, that I just started looking at other things and and looking into, you know, what is your life purpose and why did you come back and, and why are you here, um, you know, and the whole shot. And you just look at it and you go, there's got to be a reason that you came back. You may not have known it right at that very moment, but you'll know about it sooner or later. So that was... That's my story in a in and a nutshell. Do it. <laughs> well, do you, do you feel that that in a way it shifted your focus so that you became more spiritually oriented? Oh yeah. Um, as when it did happen, or after it happened, it was about maybe a year or so um, later that because I kept asking why that why started me searching. And it wasn't so much in the direction of um, uh, the, you know, the the normal religions. It was into the metaphysical aspects too, because I started studying uh, the tarot. Um, maybe I thought I could get my answers that way. Um, and you know, I studied I studied different things, just trying to get some kind of of feeling or reassurance or answer or anything that I could get. Um, So, yes, it definitely did shift um, what I thought about because you can't go through this and not have it affect you. Um, Some people don't want to hear about it. You know, it scares them. Uh, They think that uh, this isn't something that you should talk about. Well, if you want to hear it, I'll, I'll tell you. But if you don't, then I'm not going to talk about it because it was a special experience. And, you know, it's something that you can't have happen to you and have it not affect your life. No, it, it feels as well that, that it awakens a part of you. Once you experience that kind of love, it has to shift the way you focus on, on humanity and, and your own life and how you use your life to to help other people. Yes, it does. And and for the first, I mean, it was a good 15, 20 years that, I mean, my focus was definitely on finding out more about me who I was, what I could do, what I can't do, and, you know, how I could help other people. So it, it, was, it, it was a mind 
I mean, it kept my mind constantly occupied, let me put it that way. Well, I can imagine. I mean, everybody, no, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people have dreams of floating, of flying, and things like that. But it, it, you weren't in a dream state. You were actually experiencing it. So that oh, yes. You were taken to another realm. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, you know, it, it, it feels as though you were enveloped in an energy, a love that, that is something that is otherworldly, as, as, you know, not, not like the kind of love that we have here, but something that is of a, an unconditional and overwhelming acceptance and, and, and embracing you. And to have experienced that and come back, it has to make you feel a lot differently about the experience of death when it does eventually come down the road. Oh, uh, definitely. There's no, there's no, you know, hesitation or qualms about about uh, death. Nothing. No, it, it's not that big secret anymore. It's it's not uh, something that that scares me uh, to think about or, you know, even when it would happen. It, it doesn't scare me. And I have helped other people um, who, you know, had parents that were going to, going to um, uh, pass over. And I could give them, because they would ask me, what is it like? And after I told them, then I just said, you know what, it's a very, very smooth transition. It's not something that um, is traumatic. It's very smooth. You know, the, the, the traumatizing part is, is uh, what's going on with your body. You know, after, after your body shuts down, then, then the smoothness, it's just, it's a natural thing. Your well, spirit last, comes out, it's natural. Yeah, that last breath, I, I've spoken to, to nurses and doctors who have, of course, been around a lot of people who have passed over. That last breath is the most peaceful, gentle breath. Oh, it breath is. Breath. Mm-hmm. That just, it releases everything and you just relax into the transition that takes place at that point in time. Um, and, and, and in a lot of cases, there is fear about where am I going, what's going to happen, and and of course, once you've experienced it and you know what's going to happen, it it, it makes the whole process um, such an easy one. Not that any of us really want to want to leave exactly, but but I, I've heard that when you are there, you don't want to come back. No, you don't. Not at all. I mean, at least that was my experience. I did not. Um, no way, shape, or form. And and I can say, and I don't know about your other guests, but I can say that I was very angry. Well, I can understand that. And, and you know, you don't mind coming back if you have a job to do, but to not be told what the job was I know. is it, not fair. <laughs> it isn't. And, and to have to sit there and search for, you know, God knows how many years just to find out what, why. You know, and some people may never may never find out why maybe you just have to be here in this realm to to help somebody else along you know so if you weren't here then maybe their life purpose wouldn't be fulfilled or or to sort of you know give testimony and Mm -hmm. you know that's exactly what you're doing now and and it does help it does certainly encourage other people to not be frightened and it, it helps other people to to move into those other realms 
um, we're gonna we're gonna move on to somebody else, but we're gonna keep you on the line because we're gonna want all you guys to talk and, and share um, when when everybody's had their chance to share their story. So hang in there with me, okay? Alrighty. Okay, I'm gonna um, pull in. I'm, I'm hopeful. Christina, are you there? I am, Barbara. How are you? I'm fabulous, and and I'm so grateful for you to be here as well tonight. This has been a really exciting time for me to be able to talk to all of you guys. It's like it's like being a kid in a candy shop. <laughs> I know how you feel. Yeah, I, when I was listening to Cassandra, I was seeing a lot of parallels. I mean, just when when you and I spoke on the other day, you had said that as you're talking to us, all of these different individuals who don't know each other, that we're all using the same phraseology and we're all kind of describing the same thing. And I was listening to her story and even though my getting there wasn't a car crash, beyond that, I heard a lot of the same things. Um, and Cassandra, I was also really mad, <laughs> really, really angry when I was sent back. And um, mm-hmm. I can relate to that <laughs> very okay, well. well. Well, why don't you give us your story? Okay. Well, I've actually uh, been through that process three times in this lifetime. And the first time I was a young child, I really don't know how young. Somewhere between four and six, I think. And um, I, without going into a lot of detail, it was a head injury, and um, I still have the the ridge in my skull where my head was uh, rearranged. And what I remember was that all of a sudden, I was just not even I, not, not only just not in my body. I wasn't in the house. I wasn't. I was just in a meadow, and um, there were wild flowers around me. And being a little kid, I'm kind of just skipping around and roaming around and going, "Wow, I like it here." And um, then I saw this big tree. I don't know what kind of tree it was, but it branched. It looks it split part way up, and I looked at the left side and I couldn't see the top. And I kind of brought my eyes down to where the tree had split, and I looked at the right side, and it was much shorter, and I could see the top, and then I was instantly back in my body. And that's really the last thing I remember. But my experience was that I was safe. I was loved. I was safe. I was peaceful. That's what I remembered about that, that particular experience. Um, Do you want me to just keep talking? Yeah, just keep going. Okay. (laughs) Um, The next one, I was 14. I remember this very distinctly. Um, I had overdosed on drugs and alcohol and um, hadn't eaten in a long time because I was replacing eating with other supplements. And um, I had had a medical emergency ended up in the hospital. They went to do emergency surgery, and when they gave me the anesthesia, it stopped my heart. And I just remember, I I remember just going, oh, good. And I remember that last breath that you were just talking about and how it felt like I had actually taken a real breath for the first time. I, I don't know how else to describe that. It was so deep and so cleansing. And I left my body and I was, I remember just kind of floating up um, like an enclosed staircase and I got to the top of this very long enclosed staircase and there was a plateau at the top and a door on the left-hand side with just this brilliant light coming out from around the door and I knocked on the door 
And this is where the anger came in because I was told, not yet. Those same two words. And I argued. I don't know about you, Cassandra. I argued. I argued long enough to be in a coma for four days. I did not want to come back. I just kept knocking on that door and saying, let me in, let me in. And I kept being told, go back. It's not your time. Go back. Not yet. Um, So when I did get back in my body after having some pretty extensive surgery and coming back into some very serious physical pain, I was not a happy camper. I was really angry. Um, Let's see. The next, okay, the last time was when I was giving birth to my first son. And um, it had been a long, difficult pregnancy. And I know a lot of pregnancies are long, feel very long and difficult. Um, I had had a work injury during the pregnancy and had to spend a fair amount of at least the last half of the pregnancy on my back. So it was really uncomfortable. And um, during labor, uh, the pain, I guess, just got to me and my heart again stopped. And uh, I I remember this time, though, I I was leaving my body and I went, I can't go. I have a child to take care of. And I hovered around very closely, but they restarted my heart, and I went back into my body. And that's the only time I really wanted to come back, and that, and that was because I had made a commitment to this other soul uh-huh. to be there. And so I came back, but even when I was out, it was it was the love for that child that brought me back because I certainly didn't want to go through what I knew my body was going through. Oh, right. So it was just, it was just complete love for that child that brought me back into my body that time. But how? So in a how nutshell, did, that's. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, how did this experience shift your focus on life? I mean, I I, I keep seeing that 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 most of most of the people that I I have talked to, all of the people so far, um, have found that it was a profound spiritual awakening. It may not have taken place immediately, but but it it did shift the focus of their life so that they they drifted more towards the spiritual and more into helping others and 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 helping them to understand love yes and, and um yeah I, well for me i think the first one probably did that with the most right. impact to me even though i was very young because it was it was an understanding. First of all, what I learned was that when things got painful, I could leave my body. And I learned how to do it intentionally and how to come back intentionally. So I've, I've had several out-of-body experiences. Um, it also taught me that I remember coming back with a real sense of, okay, these people, um, I'm going to live with them until I'm a grown-up, but uh-huh. I'm... There wasn't the expectation of them behaving a certain way because I was their child stopped. It was like I just, I just understood that they're just holding up their end of an agreement. Right. And that really helped me to get through that. That was a very large spiritual awakening for me, was to understand that and to be able to carry that throughout my life. Well, it it, it feels as though there is a mystical awakening of some sort. And it doesn't oh, mean yeah. you have you don't have to become a practitioner. It has to right. do with how you focus on life and how you how you impact other people and other people's lives. So it, it is an amazing experience. Did you find the the 
the the the quality of of being embraced by love of feeling that that there is just so much around you that you can't imagine ever leaving it oh absolutely absolutely and and, and i have over the years learned how to recreate that in my own physical life where i have surrounded myself with people who encourage me to feel that way and vice versa yeah, so it, it can be transferred into the physical life, that mystical experience. Yeah, I, I can imagine. It just, it also, I would think, opens you up to a greater sense of service to humanity. Oh, yes, very much so. And, very and much so. A deeper understanding of everything. Yeah, it's it's just amazing. I, I absolutely is. am in awe of what you guys have experienced because... It's it's incomprehensible to me, and yet you know I hear you talking, and I, I absolutely you know want to feel what you felt. Be, I don't want to die, but but that that amazing amazing feeling of being cherished and embraced and and mm-hmm. nurtured beyond your expectation just has to be the most blissful experience ever. Oh, it certainly was for me. It certainly was for me, absolutely. Um, Today I went to visit um, a friend who had a a baby last night and saw the new baby and was talking to her, and we we were talking about how it must be so much more traumatic to be born into this world than to leave it. Because I, I agree with Cassandra. You know, it's a very natural transition to leave. Very natural. It's very easy. But coming in, we come in kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not exactly one of the smoothest arrivals known to man. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, having experienced it both from being the birth E and the birther, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Okay, well, let's let's pull in um, Suzanne. Suzanne, are you there? I'm here, Barbara. How are you? Oh, we're having a great time. Are you relating to to some of the stuff that's going on here? Absolutely. <laughs> well, I I would love for you to to share your story with us if you would. Sure. Um my near death experience happened when I was a child. Um it was in the late 1970s and I was around 6 years old. And I want to start off by saying that if anyone out there has lost a child, uh, the first thing you think of is is my child okay? Are they safe? Are they crying for me? You know, are they lost? I want to put everybody's mind at ease and, and say you're, they're fine. They are just fine. They are engulfed in this love and, and this peace. They are taken care of and they're looked after. So do not have any doubt because I was there, so I know. So please, I just want to put your mind at ease. They are, they are with God and just engulfed in love. Um, but my story happened, uh, I was on a vacation with my family. And we were at the hotel swimming pool. And my brother, older sister, and younger sister were playing. And when I was younger, I tended to like to be around adults rather than children. Um, Some people tell me that I'm an old soul, so maybe that's why. Um, And I rarely ever left my mother's side, though. But for some reason this day, I walked away from from that pool. And I walked a couple feet past it, and there was an in-ground, like, whirlpool tub. And there was about, I think, six adults sitting around the tub. And I said, ooh, I want to get in there. I want to be with the adults. So I remember taking a seat in the tub, and the adults were looking. and said, oh, look at that little girl. She wants to sit with the adults. She wants to look grown up, you know. And, 
And I just sat there and I was listening to them talk. And suddenly I felt a suction, kind of like at the bottom of the Whirlpool tub. And for some reason, I really wanted my toes to touch it. I was curious. So I was sitting on the little bench there, and I was kind of sliding myself down to get my little feet to touch the bottom. And I slipped, and I went right under the water. Now, I don't know if the suction was holding me down or if my hair got caught somewhere, but all I knew was I couldn't get up. I was submerged under the water. My arms started moving frantically. Now, this was the first time I ever went underwater. I wasn't really comfortable around the water, so I've never been underwater before. So I started screaming, help, help. Now, I realized when I did that, all this water came flooding into my mouth and into my lungs. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. But then I just yelled, help, help again as an instinct. And again, more water came in, and my lungs started to hurt. Then I was really panicking because that next breath, it was time to take a next breath, and I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't do it. The minute it was time for me to take that breath, it's like the lights were shut off. All of a sudden, I felt complete peace and calmness and nirvana, like you can't even imagine here on Earth, the most peaceful feeling. Everything just shut off. Then I see this warm, golden light. The light I saw was golden. And the next thing I know, I feel myself coming out of my body and floating upward. I felt very big, and and I felt as big as the universe, so light. I felt so free. And I remember looking down, and I saw all the adults still sitting around the Whirlpool tub, not even looking at me, just talking. And I could hear what they were saying. And I was a little confused. But then all of a sudden, I didn't feel like I was six years old anymore. It was as if I knew everything. All the wisdom and knowledge was in me. And I, and I was wisdom. I just knew everything. I, wasn't, I didn't have that six-year-old brain anymore. And they say spirit is ageless. And I was ageless. I was not six anymore. I knew everything and felt connected to everything. And I did not have any emotions while in that light. You know, you have a feeling of love, like you love your husband or you love your wife. I didn't feel that. I, I didn't feel love. I was love, if that makes any sense. I oh, was perfect. that feeling of love. And I engulfed everything. It, that was who I was. I've never experienced anything like it. And it was amazing. Um, and I was just in bliss. And I was fine. I wasn't wondering where my parents were. I wasn't wondering what's happening to me. It was the most natural and familiar thing I've ever felt. It felt very familiar to me. And all of a sudden, I felt a strong force at this point. And it wasn't a force that hurt me. It was almost like a strong wind. And I felt myself being pushed down. And suddenly, I felt kind of like a thump. And I was back in my body. And then that strong force came back. And I felt it from my feet all the way up through the top of my head. And the next thing I knew, I was standing outside of that whirlpool tub, and I was dazed and confused. My first thought was, okay, I can breathe. I'm not choking. I'm not spitting up water. I can breathe, and I I feel fine. Then my next thought was, how come I was looking at the people around the whirlpool tub? They didn't even know I was outside of the tub. And, And it was strange because... I was listening to what they were saying. It was like they were finishing their sentence of what I heard them say when I was looking down at them with a bird's eye view. And I'm thinking, 
I was gone for a really long time. It felt like I was gone for hours in that light. But yet it must have only been a few minutes because they were finishing their sentences that they were saying when I went under. And it was very strange. And I thought, what's going on? I was really dazed and confused. So all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around and there was a very large man down on one knee behind me. And when I say large, he was very broad and very tall. It was almost like the jolly green giant almost is, is how I viewed it. But he was down on one knee, and his skin was glistening. And I was just mesmerized by this. I was just staring. And I wasn't scared of him at all. And he said to me, are you okay? And I nodded my head yes. And then he said, where are your parents? Show me your parents. You must go to your parents. And I turned my head and pointed to the left to show them where my parents were. And as I turned my head back to look at him, he was walking away. And as he was walking away, he was disappearing into thin air. And I watched him until he fully disappeared. And I was kind of in shock almost, like, wow, that was, that was kind of cool. You know? and, <laughs> and I didn't know what to do after that. And then in my mind, all of a sudden I heard three times, go to your parents, go to your parents go to your parents and it kind of snapped me out of it and I went oh I got to go to my parents and I ran over to my parents and I said to them I was under the water I was under the water and I didn't know the word drowning at the time so I just said I was under the water and they said Suzanne we, you, we've been looking for you you need to stay here so we can keep our eye on you and I said no 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 the man kept his eye on me and my parents said what what man and I said the man he kept his eye on me and asked if I was okay and immediately, my father ran into the hotel to find the manager. My mother grabbed my hand and made me go up to every person. She was pointing, is that the man? Is that the man? They must have thought he was some child predator, or they must have thought he was holding me under the water or something because they needed to find this man. And I kept saying, no, 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 he disappeared. And they said, Suzanne, well, where did he disappear to? Did he run that way? Did he go into the hotel? I said, no, he disappeared. And I kept saying that. They were getting mad at me. But where did he disappear to? I said, no, he disappeared into the air. And then they said, okay, you know, she's obviously delusional. We have to just, you know, we're just <laughs> going to leave this alone. So they left it alone. And, and it was funny. After it happened, I did not have the memory of it. I just went along as if it was just another day. It wasn't until I had my daughter 20 years later. My daughter came into the world, and when she was born, she was very different as an infant. It was like she was this adult in an infant body. She didn't even act like an infant. She was all-knowing all of everything. She just did not look like an infant or act like an infant. And from day one, I knew there was something about her, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, around the age of two, when she could talk, she started telling me um, about God, and she had... You know, she paid homage to God. She, had, she wanted to collect crosses, and she's, she's an artist now, but she loves to draw crosses and would draw angels. And, and I'm thinking, I was brought up Catholic, but we never went to church at all. I was never religious at all or spiritual whatsoever. I was the biggest skeptic you were ever going to meet. So here's my daughter at the age of two, and she was with me 24-7. I've never discussed God with her um, or anything like that. I never bought her church, nothing. And here she is just just saying these things and just talking, and, and I'm thinking, all right, some children are born with a special talent. You know, some children are born and they, they, they play baseball very well, or they come out playing a musical instrument and never had lessons, and, 
And I thought, well, okay, my daughter's going to be a nun. I guess that's how they come. She just knows everything spiritually. And, and, uh, and my husband was thrilled. Oh, great, she's going to be a nun. I said, all right. So I accepted it. I just let her be. Uh, and it wasn't until age seven when I was um, with her, and she, I was reading a book called Journey of Souls and by Michael Newton, and it was talking about people that were hypnotized, and they were talking about life in between lives and how they died, and, and I was fascinated. And my daughter came up, and she started saying, Mommy, what are you reading? And I said, I'm reading a book about souls. And she goes, Oh, I know all about souls. And I'm thinking, Oh, really? You know, I never talked to her about any of this. I'd like to know what you think you know. So I said, Oh, go ahead, tell me. She went and recited just what everything that these people, these adults were saying under hypnosis, she was saying. She told me how she picked me to be her mother, how souls are in soul groups, and they travel in these soul groups, and they reincarnate. And she said, God implants souls into, you know, mother's bellies. And I'm thinking, whoa, this is, what is going on here? How does she know this? And it, it just turned out she turned out to be a crystal child. And I could speak for two hours on crystal children, but that's another show. But uh, by researching, trying to keep up with what she was telling me, and just all these validations and confirmations were coming through. And at that point, I read about near-death experiences, and I, my memory came flooding back to me. And I said, oh, that's what I had. I died. That's, and that's where I went. You, you really don't die. All, your body dies, but your spirit lives on. You just, you're up there. You're, you're in another, a different plane, but you're, you're still living. You don't die. And my daughter's telling me this, at, starting at the age of two. I mean, coming out of the mouth of babes, you have to believe a child at the age of two. I mean, they can't make anything like this up. I've never introduced religion to her whatsoever or mentioned God at all. And then all of a sudden I remembered my near-death experience, and I said, wow, something that happened to me 30 years ago I'm remembering now, and I'm remembering it for a reason. It's another confirmation that, well, this spiritual realm exists. And from that point on, I was in the corporate world for 13 years. And just two years ago, I just said a prayer. I, I, kinda, I did not resonate with, with that life anymore. I, I said, God, it, can you please just put me on the right path? I feel like I'm not on the correct path. I, I don't know what the path is, but please light it up so bright that I can't miss it. And an hour later, I was laid off. And I was the happiest laid-off person in the world. I said, wow, he works quick. And I said, ooh, I should have said with ease and grace, because maybe it wouldn't have happened so abruptly, but I, I was happy nonetheless. And after that, I have spent the past two years just working on me and trying to be the best me that I can be, that inside of me, I feel like I want to, help people in a tremendous way. I don't know what my life purpose is yet, and I think by talking about my near-death experience, it's a start, but I want to help people in a spiritual nature. I want to let people know that you don't die, that if, if everybody could feel the love that I felt in that light, this world would be a totally different place. It's just amazing. I feel connected to everyone. I see positive in the most negative situations, all I see is positive. So many things have happened to me, but I consider them blessings because there's no other way I can think now. That, that's my, my way of thinking. Everything happens for a reason. There's always positive. The universe would never let anything negative happen just to have it be negative. There's always a positive there. And if you don't find out what that is right away, just like my near-death experience, maybe it will hit you 30 years later, but you will know eventually. 
And oh, absolutely. This, it totally, totally changed my life. I just want to be of service to people. And I don't know how, but I want to do it in a big way, and I want to dedicate my life to it. I can't go back to the corporate world. I need to do something in a spiritual nature to help people realize what powerful spiritual beings they are, because we all are. Oh, absolutely. And and I think that's part of the message that, that personally I want to see get out tonight, the fact that, that it is the spiritual aspects of life that bring the richness and the love into life and and that that there is purpose to everything. All of you went somewhere and you came back for a reason. Now I don't know if it's it's, you know, to sit here and to talk on Blog Talk Radio so people can can hear this. I don't know if it's for you to give a testimony of sorts to put in archives so that, oh, I don't know, fifty or sixty years somebody can tune back in and say, Huh it really is real. You know, I, I just, I, I, I know I know for sure you have purpose, all of you. I know all of your lives have changed because of your experience. And, and it's made you better, more loving, more compassionate human beings because of it. I, I haven't ever met anyone that had this experience that, was, that, that became a crappier person. <laughs> if you would have told me like 37 years ago that I would have been in this place in this time, I would have laughed and said, you've got to be kidding. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never did I think I would end up here. And just by that experience, I have no fear of death whatsoever. I used to be scared to die. Um, not, not after this memory came flooding back. I have no fear of death whatsoever. Well, quite, quite often our... Our bodies, our minds, our memories do shield us from an experience until we're ready to cope with it. That happens quite often with lots of traumatic things in life. Quite possibly, it was you were sheltered from it uh, until the time where you could do something with it. And I'm sure having a child yourself is is you know was definitely part of part of the process of of, of bringing that understanding in, into into your reality. And of course, having a child that is so <clears throat> gifted um mm-hmm. certainly would have woken that up in you and you know she's she's here as a teacher for you quite clearly yeah, she she told me she said i am your teacher and boy is she a tough teacher <laughs> <laughs> i said you got to ease up on me a little bit sweetheart you're you're tough <laughs> but she goes you can handle it mom <laughs> well now i know one of you is writing a book i can't remember which one is that you Cassandra? i am Want to, want to tell us a little Christina. bit about the book? Yeah. Christina. Christina, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Voice is yeah. the same. Well, um, <laughs> I, I'm actually releasing um, for the second time. I'm getting it into an agency to release it on a larger scale because I self-published the first time. And it's still available through the self-publishing, by the way. If you go to my website, which is – where did you list it? I'm not even sure where you listed it. It's on the, it's on the show's link page. Um, awesome. All of all of their their websites and and every everything they gave me is on the link page for uh, Matrix Radio. So if you would like to learn more about about these amazing women, their their websites are there, and whatever other links they gave me, they're all there. So do check them out. Yeah, so tell us about thank your you. book. Thank you for doing that. So the book that I that is already um, been released and is going to be re-released is the Contemplative Truth channeled messages of the divine collective Bartholomew. And what it is, is um, I channel Bartholomew and 
Bartholomew, by the way, let me just clarify this just very quickly, is a collective, like divine collective intelligence of the universe. Uh-huh. And they just chose a name. Bartholomew was the name they chose. And uh, it's just, it's a hundred separate different meditations that you can read just randomly on any given day. And the book is set up so that when you open it to a page, it gives you the message you need that day. And it works. I don't know how it works. It just does. (laughs) It's pretty amazing. But that's the book that's out. And then um, I'm working on a couple of other projects too, including um, a book about energy healing and one about psychic development. Fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much. And, and you know, post post your titles in the. Are you in the chat room? No, I'm unfortunately not even online at this point. I'm. Oh, okay. We well, don't have hang, internet here. So. Hang hang in there with me. We have one more caller. Okay. And if I can bring them on. Hi, this is Barb DeLong. You're on the air for Matrix Radio. Who is this? Hi, this is Rebecca speaking. Hi, you have an experience you'd like to share with us as well? Um, yeah, uh, the main reason I uh, want to share my experience, uh, which happened many years ago, is because I'd like to uh, also find out, um, remember, be able to remember it better. It's okay. something I've spoken about very few times to uh, people or even thought about where you couldn't um, be in better, more compassionate company. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it actually was, uh, uh, I've had a really uh, strange life and a really odd life. And this was actually just one aspect, one event uh, that happened, um, I suppose, as a result of um, deep depression and all the rest of uh, issues that go along with uh, psychological difficulties or stressful situations and life traumas, etc. Um, and uh, in any case, I've had many uh, different experiences. Also, when I was very starting from when I was about two years old, this one was um, when I was um, about twenty years old. Uh, so about 15 years ago, in 97 it was actually. Um, I, uh, I actually I had a um, I was in a very bad state, and I decided I I just I wanted to end it. And uh, crazily enough, something just uh, on a very hot summer's day uh, thought that it would be uh, the only solution to coming out of my situation would be uh, to jump out the window. So uh, I did this, and um, I landed. Actually, it, was, it wasn't very high at all. I landed on a um, on a roof, actually, uh, where I jumped out of the window onto a roof. And um, I just know that um, when I, the next thing that that I knew uh, after sort of vaguely taking a decision, if you can call it that. Um, is that I kind of uh, found myself definitely float or, see, uh, how can you say, levitate actually in a direction towards the light. And this looked like um, perhaps one could say a tunnel. I know the tunnel is often used 
um, for near-death experiences. Um, it perhaps could also have been almost like a ladder or something, definitely something going to a certain point, so sort of like myself projecting uh, into above sort of um, slightly to the left, way above, and maybe about, I don't know, maybe 10 meters or something. And I know that I heard a voice. I don't know if someone was already trying to talk to me from outside. Um, but I think uh, what I what I heard is um, that I was given the choice of whether I wanted to um, live or whether I wanted to die. So sort of the question, do you want to live or something like okay. that? And, um, yeah, then I, the next thing I, I knew is that um, I was uh, back in myself and then I was sort of must have gone unconscious. Um, and I would, I've really never not uh, spoken about this or even thought about this experience at all, uh, or very, very rarely. Um, I just know that uh, there were a lot of changes after that in my life. Um, obviously, I was in hospital. I broke my back. I had uh, various uh, different injuries, and um, it was a, uh, the the whole the whole few years after that actually was an incredible healing process for me. Obviously, if you break something, you go into a healing process. I went into alternative medicine uh, uh, like uh, massively. Um, I was into every kind of, I know, and now I have a very broad, um, I know a hell of a lot about different, uh, all sorts of therapies. And I also, um, I don't know, I also connected the, the, the whole systems of, of, I got a feel for the systems of life. And also I had just got really close, uh, got, got really close to nature and, uh, the systems of nature, and I, and thinking for yourself, I, I um, yeah, thinking for your, uh, working things out for yourself, and also being very independent in that sense. It it has to be um, life altering to be given a choice between life and death, and to have chosen life is to have chosen the harder of the two paths. It would seem. And yet you, too, seem to have been brought into a, a, a greater synchronicity to nature, to life, to love, to service. And, and as with the mm. others, you, you, you apparently have come back to help, to serve mankind. And <clears throat> I think that, that people who experience near-death experiences, who go through this choice, this, this, this amazing transition it, it, to me, it feels as though you are more open spiritually. You are more attuned to, to the environment and to the people around you so that you, you are more of an empath so you're able to help other people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I definitely um, uh, feel, I, uh, feel a, an incredible closeness to people. And um, I'm also the kind of person who really feels for other people. 
So if someone has a pain or something, I'm incredibly sensitive to how others are feeling around me. And it, it actually this is almost a bit disturbing sometimes because, you know, you feel a lot of people, other people's pain also. And, um, you know, you also think for other people. It's like I put myself in other people's situation automatically. It's just completely intuitive, even if it's unwilled. Um, I automatically feel for them, or as though I'm in the, you know, a part of them almost. And um, yes, definitely, I think um, I, I've become far more part of uh, part of the surroundings. Definitely, yes, and including with uh, various uh, other um, aspects. Uh, other factors in my life. Um, this is just one thing that has sort of uh, another aspect, another very strong aspect, which has sort of brought the whole thing together. So that now, for the past two years, I've had a re been in a relationship. The sort of mental uh, problems have all, all drifted away about, I'd say, last last March actually, and since then I just. Every day is um, is pure joy for me, and I I mean I spend my time just sing, uh, singing wherever I go. When I'm alone, when I'm with my dog, whatever I'm doing, I'm singing the whole time. It's the only way I can sort of, you know, express uh, the joy that I have, uh, which I have all over me, and all the time. And even if people find it a bit strange, or sometimes I have to pull myself back because they don't understand it. That's something I realize uh, not everyone can understand that and well, really deal with that or even welcome that, maybe because they just haven't experienced it. And that brings me to the whole um, point that I think this, when I look back on my life and before this accident, um, it's like I've reached a different level. It's like I was given a second chance. And it's like... Um, Yes, I'm sure there's a mission in this. Uh, there's a purpose to it. I'm sure there is a purpose to it in that sense, which I haven't as such defined really. Um, but it's like being on, uh, like uh, being, um, you know, coming back again a second time. You know, which I'm very grateful for because it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't go without saying. Uh, I've been given a second chance and. Um, that's how I see it, as though, as though I'm in heaven almost. I know it sounds a bit funny, uh, but it, it's uh, to me, if I think about it, then uh, it's as though I feel like I'm in heaven the whole time. <laughs> well, I think all of you do have that exuberance, that inner joy, because you have a secret. <laughs> and and all of you have experienced something that, that all of us won't experience until the very end of our lives so that you do have um, magic inside of you. You have an awareness inside of you that all of us are just sort of trying to figure out. And, and that, that bliss, that excitement, that, that magic that, that you have because of what you've experienced can actually help people, can, can bring people to a realization that, that the joy that you have in you is, is joy that they can, they can grasp as well if they choose to to reach for it, uh, you had to experience it through a transition that was very profound. 
but it was an aspect that was in you all along and understanding that was in there all along and this experience just brought it to the fore so that I believe all of yeah. us have that remembrance and it's it's yeah. only when you go through the kind of transition that all of you went through that you remember that it's there it's a memory of mm. where you came from where we all come from mm. so that mm. so that you went back to the source um I chime in here a little bit. Sure. Uh, I want to tell uh, tell you ladies, it has been absolutely fascinating listening to your stories. And um, this is something that we need to concentrate on. And the important thing uh, about this phenomenon is the depth to which it goes into the understanding of what happens to us after we die, which is very important. It's a question that man has been seeking throughout human history, and uh, the thing that I'm most fascinated about is um, I have studied this a lot. I listen to a lot of uh, videos on YouTube and uh, other sources uh, about near-death experiences, and the absolute confidence and the positive way that you speak about it is one thing, but what I'm fascinated about is that in a lot of these cases, and um, I'm not sure whether it applies to all of you, but one of the fascinating things about it is there, uh, it would almost seem like it would be a scary proposition. It seems like fear would be the first thing, because, of course, we're always told to fear the unknown. Uh, We always are, you know, anything that is not familiar to us uh, has a tendency to be uh, very strange and, uh, most especially when you're taken in, in any abductive situation, especially like UFO abductions and things like that, there's always a trauma that happens after the experience. But surprisingly, in a lot of cases, uh, the same kind of what we call theonomy or a whole new change where uh, it's, it's not necessarily a religious experience. That word is so overplayed, but a very strong spiritual uh, experience. And I'm absolutely fascinated um, about the feelings that you guys have had in that in that situation, uh, we do have another caller. Uh, uh, area code eight three one. You're on with Matrix Radio. Who's calling? Where are you calling from? Hi. Yes, my name is uh, Christina, and I'm calling from California. Thank you for taking oh. my call today. Hi. <clears throat> um, I was a ten year old little girl back in 1978, and I was at a summer camp, and I was in the pool with my fellow campers, and I had a little boy. Um, He was teasing me, and I wasn't a very good swimmer, and I was dog paddling in the eight-foot part of the pool, and what had happened was that he grabbed the top of my head as I swam by him, and he was standing on the last step of the ladder. I was 10, he was 10, and he ended up grabbing a handful of my hair, and he dunked me underwater and held me there. And I remember fighting, kicking, and struggling underneath the water to um, get his grip to loosen up so that I could go to the top and, and grab some air, but I panicked, and I kept thinking, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. <clears throat> And I couldn't hold my breath any longer, 
And what I ended up doing was involuntarily taking in a really huge, deep breath, but it was water. And at that point, all the panic and all of the terror that was going through my body came to a sudden halt, and I became very peaceful and very calm. It was almost as if somebody had tossed a rag doll into this pool. And I remember eventually, I don't know how much time passed, he had let go of me, and I floated down. And as I was about to reach the bottom of the pool, I had this sensation of rising up, almost as if you were to jump into the pool and uh, kick from the bottom. That's how fast it, the sensation was. And I actually thought somehow I, would, I had broke free and I was actually going to get up and get out of this pool and, and, and I was going to be fine. I was completely unaware at the time that I had come out of my body and I can remember still seeing the outlines of the redwood trees as I approached the top of the water because um, we were in the Santa Cruz Mountains and uh, of California. And what had happened was I continued to go up, and I looked down at the children playing, and <clears throat> just before, I know that I skipped ahead a little bit, but just before I came out of the water, my hand hit the concrete below, and I thought for a split second, how can I be in motion, almost out of the pool, but yet at the bottom of the pool at the same time? And that's when I looked down, I had come out of the water, The kids were completely unaware that I was at the bottom of the water, including the lifeguard, except for the little boy who had drowned me. And it it wasn't on purpose. He was just teasing me. He he didn't mean to harm me. And what had happened was I was suddenly in this um, really misty tunnel of light. And for me, I was crying and I was hysterical because I wanted my parents. I didn't know where I was. And I remember at the end of this tunnel there was this really beautiful light. And I heard the most loving, um, calm woman's voice tell me that all those that I loved would come through this light, and that's how it has always been done, and that is how it will always be. Well, me being the skeptic that I am, I ignored her. I cried even harder. And she simply said, look into the light, for the truth is in the light. And when she said those words to me, The light that was at the end of the tunnel suddenly was directly in front of me. I was in a euphoric state of unconditional love and joy to a magnitude that I cannot properly put into words. And as I was asking these questions, will I see my parents again, you know, people that I love, uh, it was answering me, yes. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would be with all those that I love. So at that point, I felt that there was no need for me to come back here. I did not want to come back here, and I wasn't given a choice. I simply heard the words, it's not your time, you must go back. Again, I went to argue with the angel, but I was simply put back into my body, and um, they were doing CPR on me. And as I sat up, and I can remember them rolling me on my side and all this water coming out of my lungs, and I was dazed and confused, but really worn out because I knew that I had been gone for, I felt like a really long time. I don't know in actuality how long I was at the bottom of the pool before they found me. I just got reunited with a man who refused to give up on me, and I could still hear his cries. Even when they put me in the body, this man was just screaming out to God to help, 
and um, I was actually reunited with him, and he said he was merely a tool in God's hands that day. But for me, I always that, I love that um, I valued that experience because it's helped me through difficult times in my life uh, growing up, and it still does today, and I have the gift of knowing for me, that I, I believe we all go on, and it's as if when we get into a car and go where we're going to go and then get out of it. I feel that our bodies are, in a way, like a car that we use to experience life and that we have a lot of lessons that we learn here, almost like going away from home and going to college. And um, I'm so grateful for that experience, and it wasn't until 2008 that um, I began speaking about it, and it sort of just woke up when I had gone through some experiences with a family member that I was the only one who witnessed a few things. Um, I seem to have other senses. I believe all of us do, but mine seemed to just be full blown open, and I began questioning the things that I would see that other people wouldn't, um, and really seeking just to help people. And I realized that that experience as much as I want to help people, it's just as much for me as it is for everyone else. Um, and I um, cherish it, and I'm really happy to share that. And I, I don't blame people if they are a little skeptical, because I was doubting an angel until the light told me. And it was an amazing experience, and I know that I just want to make the most out of my life while I'm here and help as many people as I can. And I love the journey of life, and I wouldn't trade it for anything now that I'm back here. I just know that in that euphoric state, I thought, no way. Whew, you know. <laughs> well, you, you um, know, what, what, yep. you, what you got, went through is, is, you know, very similar to what everybody else is saying. And it, it really, I think the amazing thing about all of you is that you know. It's not, I think. It's you know, and your validity, your strength of conviction is better than any amount of scientific information that can be put on a table because a knowingness is a positive. And, and what you have experienced and what you're sharing here is, is just amazing. And, and I would imagine that there are lots of people out there that have had these kind of experiences but have but but have been afraid to talk about them for fear they would be thought strange and yes you know it's strange to you know um i've not experienced what you've experienced but but in the field that i work in every now and then um i know people look at me strangely and and it's kind of like okay you got a lot of people behind you now you got a lot of people that agree with you it's it's maybe time to really Start talking because you can help so many people by sharing your experience. For me, what I do is two things. One, whenever, whenever, every once in a while I have somebody who's really skeptical and sometimes not so nice, and I always tell myself that's um, my doubt speaking out loud. <laughs> now, I don't have any doubt about the experience, but if it's anything on the metaf metaphysical area, I always tell myself, look and think about the people who don't have anybody to share or need validation or support or guidance, think of those people who really need to hear it because I was told it wasn't my time, so obviously I have work to be done. And when I see somebody who's hurting, I feel it as if it's 
my actual pain, if it's if it's within me and I feel like I want to do what that angel did for me to other people. She was so loving. She was so patient. She was so kind with me. And I want to volunteer in hospice and actually hold the hands of people who are getting ready to cross over so that when they see the angels or the beings of light or family members coming, that I can say, I was where you once were. I will be there again one day. And you are getting ready to have one big celebration, and it's okay to go into the light. It's okay. Um, just to, in a way, try to give back, um, because I can't say thank you enough to that angel. I know she hears me, but I thank her every day for what she did for me, and I just want to pay it forward. Well, so I thank you. All of you, <laughs> all, all of you are, I, I do believe, have come back as empaths. And and I think I think in a way this experience has cleared the channel so that you really can feel what other people feel. Now that doesn't make you you know um, you're not walking on water, but you can feel what other uh, maybe you can. Um, but but you you <laughs> are feeling what other people feel, and that's to be able to do that means you can let go of your ego. You've been in a place where you had no ego; you were just love. So that, so that you're able to set ego aside, feel other people's pain, and help them to understand the process they're about to go through. Yes, and I just, if I could, when I see a parent grieving, um, you know, I was a child. I was 10 years old, and I know that I was taken care of, that I was in so much love, that um, if I could somehow have them touch my hand and relay that experience, I would do it. But I know that that's not possible. So I just try to do my best to really share um, my experience and hope that it brings some sort of um, healing, um, validation or support or guidance, Um, just anything that I could do to try to relieve that pain and that fear of is my child okay or my father or my mother, my sister um, and I have a lot of precognitive information and a variety of abilities that I believe everyone has. It's just, in my opinion, some people are tuned in more, and it could be for the fact of your free will and what you're open to and what you're not, because I believe everyone has intuition, but then again, it's just my perspective. Well, well I, I would agree uh, with you. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, Patrick. Ahead. <laughs> well, um, one thing that uh, I've been having a very interesting conversation or, and watching the conversation in the chat room, and the lone ghost, uh, ghost man just made a very interesting statement. He said, uh, I don't think it's skepticism. You know, he seems to be, well, he seems to be a very practical person wanting to, uh, to prove that something, you know, here we have, uh, what do we have, five, five people on the line that have had experiences um, and every one of them is absolutely sincere and enthusiastic about it, uh, all telling a, a similar story. And, of course, it is, um, uh, it's interesting that, uh, that his perspective uh, on that is that uh, this could not be real what is happening. And bottom line, that's exactly the way I feel. This is not real, and it isn't. Um, every major religion in the world, every ancient wisdom that uh, that I have encountered, I am a comparative theologian, 
and um, uh, my roots were in the Baptist church, so I wasn't very happy with the way the Christian church teaches what's going to happen to you when you die uh, and what have you. And what's, what's fascinating is that the, the, the uh, concept, the Bible puts it this way. It says that while we look at the things that are, we, we don't look at the things that we, the things that we see are not real. I'm just paraphrasing what the Bible says. But the things that we, because they are temporal, meaning they're like a prop on a stage, the things that we actually see in this world. But the things that we don't see, the things we can't see, those are the eternal things. And that's what's absolutely fascinating about this. Uh, I think that uh, I'm not sure whether everybody in the room, uh, every, everybody that we're speaking to right now, uh, felt that they spoke telepathically if they did speak to anybody. Uh, I have heard many, uh, uh, many of these encounters, and they all say that it seems to be uh, a, uh, a basic, uh, it, it's all telepathic. They, their mouths aren't moving. They don't even know that they have a mouth at that point. But uh, also, a statement that I heard somebody make, uh, well, let's see, I, I, I can't remember who it was, uh, but they said, uh, I didn't just feel love, I was love. Yeah. And that is an incredible statement. Yes, because what I try to say is if you take the love for your parents, if you take the love that you have <clears throat> when you make your commitments on your wedding day, when you think of all the special, joyous moments that you've had throughout your life, also with those butterflies that you feel when you're, when you're first falling in love with somebody, and also looking into your newborn baby's eyes and the joy and the love that you feel. And if you were to roll that all up into one, it does not even come close to the amount of love that is waiting on the other side for all of us. And, um, and I really am okay um, with whatever people accept or not because I know um, if I'm going to be really honest, there were times in my life that people would maybe share a metaphysical experience that was really unexplainable. And even though I have been through what I have been through, <laughs> I would secretly sort of roll my eyes because I couldn't understand it or wrap my mind around it. Um, and later, five years down the road, or 10 or 15, I would have a, an experience that mirrored that, and I would immediately go back to what I once rolled my eyes at and thought, you know, this life is a, a mis a magical, it's a miracle, and I am just so glad to be a part of this life. And as I learn more, I just want to share more, but I have such a deep compassion. No matter what side of the fence you're on, um, I just feel really connected to everybody. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. That is such a common thing. Uh, the uh, Some of the comments I've heard is that uh, they feel like, they don't feel like they're, uh, there's no longer any separation between them and anything anybody or anything else. They feel yeah, a one with everything, with the material world as well as the physical world, I mean the spiritual world. Uh, yeah. In that they feel that, and then they also, now this is something that uh, I feel and Barbara feels and uh, the people that we know that are closely associated with the spiritual world, that uh, it is everything. Now, I, uh, I have a uh, as I was speaking to Barbara earlier today, and I said, I have a problem with rocks. 
<laughs> a spiritual nature to rocks. So, the, but that's about the only thing that I can't see. But the Native Americans, all of the indigenous tribes all over the world, all of the ancient uh, religions, all speak to that concept that there is a oneness, and it's all together in you know just one big clump, and you're right in the middle of it, and you're part of it all. And that's what what I find absolutely fascinating. And this is. Uh, you cannot emphasize strong enough that um, uh, as a theologian, I've studied all of the, the world's major religions, uh, probably the most confusing of all is the Christian religion where they have, you know, you go to these pearly gates and there's St. Peter and he's got a big book, so he's going to judge whether you can get in or not. Um, uh, or you just go right to, to an ever-burning, ever-fiery hell and things like that. And that, those, whole, those concepts are completely absent from love, which is exactly, it's what the Bible teaches, it's what Jesus taught, it's what Horace taught, it's what Buddha taught, it's what Krishna taught, it's what they all taught. There, there, there is a unison and a oneness and, and a love, and, and I think that we will all agree that none of us are going to be happy until the whole world is exactly like the way that you feel. And all of you seem to feel a sharing and a caring. Uh, you want to share with your fellow man. You want to care. You, you care about your fellow man. And I don't know. Uh, uh, they're all, you're all women. So you <laughs> naturally have a, a much more sensitive side than a, than a, a man would. But uh, I, I, I don't think that any of you quite expected that your life would change so drastically when this happened. Did you comment? No, and, and one thing I, I failed to mention was that, um, well, I grew up Baptist, <laughs> and I was actually at a Bible camp. And um, when I went through this experience, it wasn't about religion, because I remember I used to ask, which one's the right one? Geez, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I laugh at myself now, but when I went through that, it was about spirituality. It was about unconditional love not rules but actually about this euphoric state that I was completely saturated with and this oneness that I feel and I know that it you know that I just feel this with everything that I am I have absolutely no doubt and I, I it actually hurts me when I see others suffering um, w with the fear and the unknowingness and the worry and concern and the deep sense of loss um, for family members and, and pets and whoever it may be. And um, I know that as long as I'm breathing, I am going to spend the rest of my life just really trying my best to share and to be there, especially for complete strangers. Because I always say, what a ripple effect it would be if everyone treated strangers like your brother or sister or mother or grandmother or people in your life that you absolutely love, whether it's just listening to somebody who maybe doesn't have anyone or feeding somebody who maybe is hungry or clothing them or just whatever you feel inclined to do, um, it would just be an amazing ripple effect. And I always think of, like, you know, I, I was raised Baptist. I think about the message that Jesus was saying just love one another. Those without sin cast the first stone. I mean, I, I take everything with a grain of salt, but really his messages were about 
love, in my opinion, and loving one another as you would love yourself, truly and deeply, because to harm another, in my opinion, is to harm yourself. But, you know, that's just my opinion and and my viewpoint. But um, I want to thank you sincerely for allowing me to share my experience and my view, and I really hope that if there was anyone out there today who had has questions, who maybe doesn't have a support system, who really needed to hear this, or maybe have loved ones that have crossed over that they've wondered, or why am I here, that in some way that this helps. And um, I'm honored that you took my call, and I really hope that um, I would be able to listen for the remainder of the show and just put mute on my phone, because I really feel what you guys are sharing is so beneficial for one's journey on their spiritual path. And I want to commend and thank both of you for making the time to put this show together and to being here. And it's so needed, and I just want to applaud you. And and I know I'm a stranger, but I I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Oh, you're so well. We have have another two hours coming up after the next half hour, so hang in there. That's great. Now, are you you 831? Yes, I am, and I'm just cleaning my house. It's a mess. <laughs> and oh, I, and okay. Wonderful food for the soul. Wonderful. Okay. And these these stories, I, I'm so grateful to have been able to hear these other people share what they've been through. And I thought, I have to share as well. And how amazing it is that Spirit would put us on the line and bring us here today, in my opinion. so <laughs> it, it is really cool. And we will... Do do stick around because there's even more coming in the next two hours. So, but we oh, will that's mute wonderful. you. And, thank uh, you so much. Thank you. Well, thank thank you. The important thing is is that the uh, we we uh, uh, discuss a number of things. Um, myself uh, and my editor, who's in the uh, chat room, uh, Billy Brinkley. Uh, we are very deep into the into the concepts that everything that we everything that we believe a human should should be or will be. We are we have a great faith that uh, humanity will pass into a higher state. All humans, not just the good or the bad, but all of them. Uh, not just the good, uh, uh, the bad will be there too, and and they were all part of a larger family, not just. Um, uh, you know, separate people doing their own thing. And everything that you are talking about basically embodies the very core of those beliefs, the love, the unconditional love. That Well, that's at the center of everything that we do, and, and hopefully very soon it will be at the core of every human's heart that that's what they will think. It's very interesting that the Greeks, have three words for love. They have philos, which is friendship, from which you, we get the word Philadelphia. They have eros, which is a sexual love between a man and a woman. And then they have the love of the family and the love of the gods for the family and for for other humans. And it's agape, the same word that we have for agape which is a, a, a very interesting uh, origin of that word. Uh, and it has one meaning. It literally means give. And that's it. And I think that what we're hearing from all of you is that's what you feel life should be about. 
Am I correct? I don't know. I don't know that it's so much that I feel, because I, I can't speak for anyone else, that I feel that that's what life should be about. For me, that just is what life is about. Thank you. It just you. is that way. Um, it's yeah. not my judgment about what life should or shouldn't be. My experience is that that's what it is. Well, I've and, not and I've not experienced what what all of you have, but but certainly people on the spiritual pathway feel that, and and sometimes um, it gets very difficult because of of what's going on in the world and 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 the things that people are going through, but 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 the unconditional love, the compassion for the fellow man, the fact that we are. Individual pieces of a, of a complex puzzle, and and all the pieces are necessary: the good, the bad, and the ugly. And and I don't think that that humanity as a whole has quite gotten the message yet. But I'm very hopeful that it's it, it's listening and is thinking about it, and is maybe going to shift perception just a little bit tonight. Well, I think that I'm sorry if I'm cutting other people off. I don't mean to be, but. My personal experiences, and, and I drive around the country working with people, doing workshops, teaching classes, doing spiritual work wherever I go, and people are waking up spiritually at an alarming rate much quicker than has ever been documented in history before. Oh, yeah, I agree. Across the board. Well, yeah, absolutely, and and I think there is a quickening in the universe. There, are, there is mm-hmm. an awakening coming. There is, and and for people like all of you, it's very, very important that you're here because you can give a message of hope to so many. And and hope is something that there is not as much of these days. And and faith, and and that as well, not in the religious sense of it, but in the spiritual sense of it. We're here for a reason. We're doing something, and humanity is going somewhere. And and not that you're guides or anything like that. You're just reminders that something better is out there, and that's an important thing. Yeah. Well, we we see. It's very interesting that we see an awakening uh, in the world. Um, slowly but surely, everybody that that I talk to. Um, is telling me that they're they're apprehensive. Something is about to happen. We have the interesting concept of 2012 uh, that has just come out. Mankind is finally beginning to face uh, a very strange concept that we uh, that's only been in science fiction, and that is the fact that we are vulnerable. That this planet is vulnerable. Uh, we can see this. Uh, that people are. Uh, uh, coming awake, uh, 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 more awake about the environment. And uh, even though there are debunkers out there, I love to see the debate. At least they're talking about it. That's the important thing. Uh, and then with the Louisiana spill right now, this could be a dev- this is uh, this could be an absolutely devastating thing. But it makes people more aware. Listening to the bankers, Goldman Sachs, sitting in front of uh, uh, the Senate subcommittee. Uh, talking about how greed was really at the center of everything they did, the profit line, the bottom line. So people are becoming more aware, well, you know, money is not money doesn't always uh, do all that much good for you. And a lot of us are, uh, you know, very vulnerable in the society that, uh, that we're, we've almost gone into a depression-like state. We are seem to be slowly but surely coming out of it. 
but there are still uh, millions of people in this country that are struggling, millions of people that do not have homes. Um, and and uh, what's happening is that the world seems to be uh, sort of giving us, giving us a, a lot of evidence and a lot of ammunition uh, to go out there and, and fight against these uh, major problems that we're having, the people who ignore the, the greedy corporations, the, the people who are destroying our environment, poisoning our food, uh, doing everything imaginable uh, that they can, and then here an awakening seems to be happening and it seems to be spreading. Um, so, uh, and I really, uh, I, I'm really amazed, uh, and I'm sure you are, Barbara, that everything these uh, these women are saying, every single thing is consistent. I don't think they disagree. Does anybody have any disagreement with anything anybody else has said? Not at all. No, no, no well, not at all. I just assume. And they're coming I, I from, to... they're all over the country. These ladies have never met before. They had. They right. didn't have time to compare notes. It's right. <laughs> and that's what's so fascinating about it. And, and here's, the, here's the thing that's important. Um, uh, I, I don't know what odds what the bookie would give, but you're going to get five women together who are talking about one of the deepest subjects that humanity can even consider approaching, uh, an afterlife, a, 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 that, that, that it's all right that we're going to go someplace else, and yet they agree on every single aspect of everything you're saying. And I have found this, and Barbara has found this, I know, that uh, it's absolutely amazing. And in, um, in about 20 minutes, we're going to play a very interesting interview that was done with a very interesting lady, uh, and uh, her her uh, her testimony is exactly the same. I've probably listened to oh I don't know twenty or thirty uh, uh, testimonies on YouTube and things like that about people who have had near death experiences. They all say the same thing. So we're into a phenomenal. Uh, uh, this is perhaps uh, uh, you know I deal with UFOs. I deal with uh, uh, human phenomenon. I deal with uh, ancient structures, I deal with all kinds of things, but I don't think there's anything like this that, uh, the, there's nothing like this, there's definitely nothing like this that has the consistency of, of everybody talking about the same thing, it all happens the same way, it's always, every time it's a rise up out of the body, you can see what's going on, oh, I'm out of here, uh, and then you, you start moving away from your own life, uh, all your treasures, all of your memories, everything like that, Oh, no problem. I'm going that way. And well, without attention, you do Patrick, that. Patrick, too, um, you know, we, we've often talked about my favorite movie, which is Close Encounters of a Third Kind. And I think there was a line in there that, that applies to all of these ladies and, and, and everyone who has had a near-death experience. They were invited. There's a reason. The, yes. they were They were sent back because they had purpose. Even if they didn't know what it was, there was a purpose inside of them that in time would come out that would serve humanity. They were invited to come back. Yeah, the door was locked. They couldn't get in. But they were invited to come back into humanity and, and in many ways share a message. And, and it doesn't mean that they have to you know, run for public office or anything like that. They just have to talk about what happened. Suzanne, when Suzanne got off the phone, or, or was it Christina when she, or I think she's probably still with us, but she said, you know, 
the, the thing, if you can help one person, if you can, can, can show one person, give one person hope that this, uh, that, that uh, the, the concepts that our society has put on people about what's going to happen to them after they die, uh, the horror of, uh, you know, if you're not saved, if you're not dipped in the water properly, uh, or uh, dipped enough times, or whatever it happens to be, then you have a chance that you're going to go to some, you're going to be tortured forever in some, with pain so unimaginable, the human mind can't even comprehend it. And this is all being done by a God who loves you. And it yeah. doesn't make any sense that that yeah, is the way we view death in this world. And imagine, I want you to think about it. I want you guys to think about this. If everybody in the world, and I think you all do now, know that when you die, you know exactly where you're going to go. Uh, and there's yeah. no question in your mind about it. There's no answers or but. It's not like, well, maybe this was just an illusion. You know by the commonality of just the, your presence together uh, right now that it is, uh, is going to happen again. And imagine if every human being knew that that was what was going to happen to them when they died. Imagine the hope that humanity would have. Imagine how they view their life now if they knew that they were part, if they just had to, if, they, if there was some way we could just bottle what you've got and, and let them breathe it in uh, for, for just 30 seconds and then, just, and, and then it's all over, just like a quick high. If everybody felt the way that you felt, there would be no more wars. There would be nobody hungry on this planet. There would be no destruction of our environment. Everything would be just fine. So, and I agree, Death would be almost a celebration. People would understand where they're going, and it would almost be a celebration. Death wouldn't be an end. Death would be a beginning, a new beginning. Oh, yes. And that's what we believe. You see, the, the, the concept that's, uh, I, I, we, I've done shows on 2012, and I'm been on other radio shows talking about it, and uh, uh, their concept is that the world will come to a cataclysmic end. But every religion, uh, every, including the Aztecs, they believe that uh, what it is is that we are in an age. Uh, we are in a particular age, and that that this age, this this what is it? Anywhere from twelve thousand, uh, twelve thousand history basically began about twelve thousand years ago. The, the Christian Church says 4,000 years uh, uh, B.C., but it's been, it's been a lot longer than that. It's about twice as long as the Christians believe that it is. And uh, so uh, uh, they believe that this age is one age, and they always talk about that, that what will happen is the real world and the spiritual world will join together. And at that point, mankind will move progressively instead of destructively, and they all predict that we, we will have a destructive nature up until that point. And at that point, they call it the age of enlightenment, they call it the golden age, they call it by all kinds of fantastic names, but it is predicted in almost every religion and almost every ancient wisdom speaks to it. So you guys got a taste of it before it happened. You got a preview of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'd like to say one thing uh, the way that I see it is I do think um, everyone has uh, going back to uh, 
um, the purpose. Um, I do think everyone has their uh, uh, their job in life, and the people are all different natured and. Um, do not be aware of uh, the spiritual in the sense that some of the people on this show have been. I think it's perfectly okay, and I think it's um, it just that people have different walks of life, and people tick different ways, and people are different people. Um, and I think that 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 makes the whole that makes the whole thing. I don't so much believe in uh, that in 2012 uh, something will. Um, will uh, happen or some or a, uh, a development will come in that sense that, you, that you're describing it um but that um um that uh it it uh that people ha- have the the uh, people choose uh to to um I, how can I say? I think people should live how what they want to live. I think obviously it's important to live the positive um, as much as you can. For me, that comes naturally. But um, I think people should go as far as they feel as they can. Be uh, you know, because some people are just in a different, in a completely different frame mind where they're just not aware of certain things that other people might be aware of. So it all fits into one whole, all these different people, all these different missions or uh, existences. And I also think that um, uh, we are only living one part of uh, time, let's say, uh, that is only a minuscule a tiny part of time in an endless sort of process and they're all circular process let's say if one sees uh, the destiny of the world and the circular that it goes around in, in, in a, a, a spiral or, or something uh, we're only one tiny one short uh, part of that and I think in that sense the, the world will always be the same in that sense Does that make sense? Patrick? (laughs) We lost Patrick. Um, It does make sense. It does. I I think that there... One of the the things that's interesting about what she just said is that uh, in this society, or in this world as it was, um, there... People, Western civilization particularly, thinks of life as a line, just a straight line, and you go from here to there, you go from birth to death, and that's it. Just one short line, and that's it. Um, but they, if you think of life as a circle, um, then it's all coming back around. It, it, it never ends. It just, uh, and, and, and that's the way the, the, the circular view uh, is the way I think most spiritualists think of. And the, the most important thing that people need to realize is that they need to tread very softly on this earth and treat it with the utmost most respect. And that just not, doesn't mean the ground. That means the people and the inhabitants on it because the faces of the unborn are looking up at you 
as you're walking along. And that's the way the the Native Americans always thought of it. Uh, that And that's why the seven-generation principle, that we should think seven generations ahead before we make a major decision about what we're doing. Like putting an oil well 20 miles off the Louisiana coast that is now destroying the entire environment down there. If the seventh-generation principle was in effect, that would never have happened. So uh, it's absolutely amazing, and and I think um, I, I think that uh, the gifts that you have, that you all have, the spiritual gifts that you that that you have apparently received from this, uh, it took me 60 years before I ever got to the point where I ever well 50 years. Uh, there, before I ever got to the point where I felt like I was even comfortable with living on this planet, let alone trying to understand what was going to happen beyond that point, I held as being a, uh, a fundamentalist, being raised a fundamentalist, I always had the concept of heaven. I uh, couldn't quite get the hell thing down. It just didn't seem to, to work uh, with love and, and sharing and forgiving and things like that. Uh, but the, the, the heaven thing never really did make a whole lot of sense. And then I suddenly realized that um, all of these religions are talking that humans are actually uh, the gods. And we are the ones that we're waiting for, basically. We are the gods. We are, uh, even though uh, there they're, they're, uh, most certainly must be some kind of higher power, otherwise this, nothing would be functional around here and it would be really ugly. Uh, I don't think we'd be here if it weren't for some kind of force in this universe that is making everything happen. But that's not what it's all about. It's about every one of us being in like a big web, like a big, a big uh, sphere of cloth. And each and every one of us is an intersection in that sphere. And if one of us uh, and, and we're all interconnected. The Chinese have what they call the red thread, and they believe that when a child is born, he is connected, he or she is connected to his mother by a red thread. Now, his mother is connected to her mother and her father, and then, of course, her father is connected to his brothers and sisters, and 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 it's all we're all tied together. And every person that that baby, every person that sees that baby, every person that touches it. They're connected by a red thread, so we're all together, and that's what we need to think of, that we are all one part of a huge fabric, and we need to get everybody in there, the good, the bad, uh, the right, the wrong, uh, the liberal, the conservative, the radical, the, the uh, Charlie Quinn Milky Toast, all of them need to be part of this before it becomes a solid fabric, otherwise it'll rip apart. And so I think that's eventually what we're going to become. And I think you guys are going to be a very, very strong thread in that uh, in that fabric. Well, we're they're they're in in essence they're weaving a new fabric of humanity. Yes. I mean, this is this is a new generation of humanity that that have seen the other side that that are here to tell about it. I, I think in in many ways. Um, and I keep hearing the word testimony, and, and that's what you're doing. You're giving testimony to a reality you have inside of you and sharing it with other people and reminding other people that there, there, are, there are other ways to live life. There are other ways to touch humanity. There are other ways to, to experience.
expand consciousness. You don't have to do it through through greed or for avarice, through avarice or, or through power struggles. You can do it through love. And if you do it through love, it's it's stronger, it's more enduring, it's more lasting, and it empowers everyone instead of controlling some and not others. Any thoughts, guys? Hello? Oh, I I thought it was interesting when you said it's a new generation. This is Cassandra. When you said it was a uh, a new generation that's that's doing this, and interesting enough, I don't know how um, old the other callers are, uh, what the age group is, but when I had mine, I was in my late to early, yeah, I think late late twenties, almost almost thirty. And it took, um, you know, 20 years for me to actually find out about, uh, you know, what's going on, still asking the why, still studying, still going through, you know, all the trials and tribulations that you go through. And then you come to this and, you know, I'm over 50 and I'm a new generation. Yeah. (laughs) I feel young. But but wait a minute, you you were reborn in many ways. By coming back from death, you were reborn. So that does make you a new generation. Well, you know, we talk, uh, we hear the the term term star child bandied about uh, and new generation and things like that. Well, uh, and I know, I I, I certainly do believe there are indigos, uh, there are, uh, special people out there that have that are very gifted in a lot of in a lot of ways. I know uh, one personally. Uh, there's no question about that. And uh, the um, uh, the whole concept. Uh, you guys, what would be nice is if somehow we could get you guys into a leadership role, working as a team. Now, wouldn't that be fascinating? What we could do with that. Uh, Maybe put you guys, uh, get get Barack out of there and put you guys in as a team to see what kind of a world we would have after you guys got a hold of it. That would be I would bet none of them would take the job. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if they knew they could make the difference, I, 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 I doubt that. Oh, oh, then probably, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Patrick, we're so, coming well, up on... I want, tell, I want to tell everybody in the, in the, uh, that's in the queue right now or that's on the air with us right now, uh, we are going to continue uh, the show. Uh, we've got about five minutes left to this segment, and we are going to continue on the other side. We're going to start it out with a uh, very interesting recording uh, interview that Barbara did uh, with a woman by the name of Michelle. And um, what I want to tell you is that uh, if you want to call in, that's going to take about uh, 50 minutes of the show. I think what's going to happen is I'm going to lose the switchboard. I'm going to have to call back in and reset it. Now, that that uh, recording is going to be about uh, 50 minutes long, and if you want to call back in after that, I don't know what your time is like, what your time zones are like. Uh, it's only uh, 7 o'clock here in California, 10 o'clock out there, and it's Friday night, so I, I presume everybody doesn't have any really heavy commitments, but we'd love to have you to come back in after we play that recording and talk some more about this. Well, I'll be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll be here, Patrick. Uh, okay, good. Good. Well, the uh, uh, again, 
the, now the, the is the chat is the chat room okay? Will the chat room just continue? Room, oh yeah, uh, to the chat room. The chat room will stay open. Um, so uh, chat room, don't go people. anywhere. No, nobody will go anywhere. Uh, we'll just start to basically start the show all over again. And um, uh, it's interesting. We've had two. Um, I don't know how many. Uh, 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 what's interesting is, is that people have multiple experiences. And one of the things that I found interesting when we were talking earlier about uh, the, you know, uh, what is there, what's the difference between NDEs and OBEs, out-of-body experiences. And personally, I find that um, I almost begin to, I'm almost beginning to think that we're that an OBE is just a simple practice run for an NDE. <laughs> That sounds Anybody like it. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> that sounds like it. It makes a lot of sense because OBEs, the the interview you're going to hear um, after after the change, um, is is a young lady that had an OBE and then she had the near death experience. Oh yeah, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and the um, uh, the thing the thing that I find uh, similar, of course, OBEs. Uh, you're flying. You're, uh, people have these out-of-body experiences, and they have the, the sense of flight. Uh, we also have the uh, 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 in an NDE. There's definitely uh, a sense of flight. And uh, the uh, what I find very strange about the Christian concept, which is probably the most common concept uh, here in the United States uh, about heaven and hell, uh, is the uh, the the main uh, uh, you know it's either hell or heaven uh, one way or another, but uh, there's actually uh, in in the Bible there's actually only one definition of what happens to you immediately after you die. Uh, the he- heaven purgatory hell concept is very controversial, and uh, I've done research papers on them, and personally don't believe that. Either one of them exists in the uh, in the manner in which uh, the Christian church teaches it, but I can assure you that after 50 years of Bible study, this is the only actual definition of what happens to a person when they die. It comes from Psalms 90:10, and it says, "I'll read it first, uh, uh, and then." say it in layman's language, the days of our years are three score and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet it is their labor, strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off. Now, basically what that's saying is saying we live about 70 years. If we're strong, we can live to 80 years, uh, but it's full of hard work and sadness and all kinds of problems, uh, and it ends real quick. But the last four words of that you will never hear on a pulpit but the last four words say, and we fly away. And that's exactly what you guys did. <laughs> you flew away. Mm-hmm. Okay, are we... We're off, so okay, you got to call off. in again. Okay, well, now, yeah, I will call in again. I, we'll probably lose everybody, so we should call back in. Okay.
Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, Sad Emojis, to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows? Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. 